Welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Faith, Fitness, and Freedom podcast, and I'm your host, Rebecca Tavert. And today, we are going to dive right in and talk about five ways to tame emotional eating on demand so that you can stay on track for your weight loss goals, all right? So the reason this is so important is because emotional eating truly is standing between you and your greatest God-given potential. And I know you might be thinking, that sounds a little dramatic. I don't think it's that serious. And to be complete uh, transparent, I used to think the same. I didn't, I struggled with emotional eating far into my journey of being healthy and fit. And as a result of that, I had, I was experiencing so much success. My episodes of emotional eating were further and farther between. And so I created a, what I realize now is a story in that I told myself, maybe this is just the cross that I could bear. Like, had you talked to me or been coached by me, you know, six, seven years ago, I was as always transparent back then and that I really believed at the time that perhaps emotional eating was just quote unquote my cross to bear, to keep me humble, to keep me aware, to keep me mindful. All these things that seemed to make sense kept me trapped in that story. And it wasn't until I finally truly, truly discovered and created food freedom did I realize that there was so much on the other side of that story. So the biggest realization with that was happened when I realized that, again, this temptation to turn to food was literally standing in my way between a my greatest potential of God's unique and greater purpose. Because at this point, and this is why I want you to understand, ladies, that this is so important for you as well, because it may be that you just don't know what you don't know. So I'm going to encourage you to lean in and really listen to today's episode. And I trust that you're going to hear exactly what you need to hear. And God's going to put it in front of you in the right season that you are meant to hear it. Because it was a process and a journey for me. And I want, I, I want you to f- discover this true sense of freedom, which unlocks so many more doors in depth and intimacy in your relationship with God, your personal relationships, your impact, which then of course is a reflection of your income. And so it really is that powerful. It really is that important of an issue. And I know that you may be like I was and like so many of my clients have felt because you are a woman of action. You are a way maker. You get things done. You are the woman that other people come to, that your family comes to, your extended family comes to, your, your team relies on you, you're, you're making this great impact. And so you've created success in life and in relationships and in finances. And yet it feels really frustrating and maybe even discouraging because you're struggling when it comes to your own health care. You're struggling when it comes to this emotional eating. You've given all the things for everybody else, but it's cost you a sense of your own well-being. And I've talked about that over the last couple of episodes. So go back and listen because they all three of these episodes, this is the third of three, tie together. 
And the reason I'm so familiar with this is because not only have I been a coach for the past 13 years, but I've personally lived this out. And so I'm going to give you some powerful uh, insights today on, on how to overcome emotional eating and really allow yourself to um, use it as a tool, right? It, there's so much more behind your ability to create sustainable weight loss. That's why this is one of three episodes. That's why my Kingdom Fit Method is a six-month process, right? I mean, six months ain't too bad compared to 20 years in the process, right? So I do, by God's work in and through me, get to expedite your time to result, but it does all tie together. And overcoming emotional eating is one piece of the equation, one facet of the bigger picture. Fair enough? So um, if you know that emotional eating is clearly a battle for you, I want to also make sure that you understand that you are not alone. And the reason I say that is because I do believe more women struggle with this than they either even are aware of and or care to admit because it comes with this sense of shame like so many other battles do, right? And so it's not discussed. It's not talked about. You're not going to talk about your talk to your girlfriend and confide in your girlfriend. Yeah, I was feeling sad. So I ate an entire gallon of ice cream in one sitting like you just don't have that conversation very often and or it's here and there and no one else knows how significant it might be for you in this season, how many times it's occurring, how you feel afterwards. It's not just the moment of giving in to the gallon of ice cream and the bag of cookies or two bags of chips or what have you. It's the thoughts and the, the energy that is then tied to that for days after the fact, right? So I, in order to kind of lay this out for you, I do want to give you a little bit of a story and then I'm going to give you very practical tactics. Uh, just like Jesus taught in stories and parables, I know that he has taught me that that really is the most powerful way for people to be able to lean in, absorb. It absolutely is the best way for me to absorb information. So there you go. I'm going to start with a story. And then I'm going to get into some practical tactics for you. So make sure you stay till the very end. Uh, if you didn't know this aspect of my story, I was, uh, well, first of all, former atheist, corporate girl, overweight, turned fiercely fit, uh, entrepreneur for 13 years, obvious Jesus lover unapologetically. Um, and because of the work that God started doing in me 20 something years ago, I went from also counting dollars for groceries at the time during a very ugly divorce and having step, taken a step back um, to just have a job to like be present and try and manage everything that was going on at that time. Um, God interceded and his intercession as a new believer, I was about a year, year and a half into believing. Yes, I ended up with a body I never expected, but that ex that season of my life, the whole process, initial process, I would say it was about 18 months for me, literally changed the trajectory of my life in ways that I never would have expected from where I started. When I started, I just knew that I didn't feel good. When I started, I just knew that as great of a mom as I thought I was, I knew that I felt physically heavy. I knew that I was really struggling with not only emotional eating, but bulimia at the time. I knew that I wasn't fully showing up because as moms and as entrepreneurs, we show up, we get things done. But however, 
when you know the difference between when you're feeling sick, like physically ill with something, right? Unless it's short of a fever and throwing up, you're making things happen anyway because that's how you're wired. And yet you know that when you feel like that, even though you're showing up and getting things done, it's a much different day than on a day where you feel like you're at your current version of your best, right? And so if you are in this season, and that's where I was in that moment, is that I knew I was making things happen, but I also just knew that I, I didn't feel good, that I was struggling with, like I said, the, the sadness and maybe battles of depression. I know it was depression for a season of time. And by a result of God working in and through me in mind, body, and spirit. Yes, I ended up with that body, never expected. I ended up with a whole new level of awesome mom. I didn't even realize I was lacking and therefore not giving. I ended up going from counting dollars for groceries to building a career in, uh, you know, quote unquote, corporate America that landed me up to north of six figures. And then I left that, (laughs) to the shock and awe of many people close to me, um, left that comfort and security still as a single mom by because I felt very called to help equip and empower other women to transform their lives as well. And again, didn't even know. I didn't know from where I sat that I would be now 13 years into this and having experienced, man, like it's just seriously just awe drop, like jaw dropping, amazing to me to look back and reflect all of the opportunities I've had over the last 13 years, all of the growth that I've experienced over the last 13 years, all the people that God has put in my life from mentors and coaches to the teams that I've been able to create to the women and men. We helped men through the brick and mortar business as well that I've been able to help. And it all started from my choice to start prioritizing my health and well-being and my choice to begin to get control of even one aspect of that was my ability to um, you know, manage the impulse to eat based on emotion with the motive of emotion, right? And so, of course, 10 years in the brick and mortar fitness business and then a couple years ago, God put it on my heart to permanently close that and be 100% online so that I can work specifically with Christian women so that at this point, my program and what has now become my Kingdom Fit Method is unapologetically rooted in God's Word. And all of that has been an evolution of taking steps of faith at just based on the next step I could see. And I will tell you that well into the journey, this is why this like kind of that lead up is so important Uh, So if you kind of tuned out for a second, come back in. This is the critical, this is the critical one for today. Well into that journey, I had, I was already, uh, it was about six years ago. So I would say I was maybe six years in, seven years in to my journey as an entrepreneur. And I truly feel like I already had, in that moment, I believed with everything in me that I had a strong relationship with God. And I did. I feel like my relationship with God grew exponentially from maybe because I went from being an atheist to being a believer and because I, you know, he, I can't even tell you how many dynamic ways he worked in me and through me as a new believer during one of the, like what would have been one of the hardest seasons of my life. Um, And because of that, I was just earnestly seeking him, looking for answers, looking for 
how to, to feel better, how to feel whole, all those things. And so it really, I think, kind of catapulted the depth of my intimacy. And I've gotten the opportunity to um, weather many storms and many challenges that be- I would lean into him. And so I, I can tell you that I we really did have a strong relationship, me and God. And the reason I want you to understand this is because you are probably thinking the same. And the challenge is, yes, you do. And also, what more is there for you if you are currently knowingly or unknowingly placing other things between you and your relationship with him? And so the how this came about is, as I started to say, about six years ago, well into my journey of having a strong relationship with him. By that point, we would have been, you know, five or six years into the brick and mortar um, facility with, I say we because me and God, (laughs) and an amazing team and having helped thousands of men and women at that point already and having built, you know, from a boot camp at a park and really just bootstrap finances, figuring things out as we go. Um, to building a fitness business that had a gross revenue of multiple six figures. And having done all of that, and so I felt I did, I really minimized the impact. I wouldn't say that I minimized because I was still praying, I was still seeking, but I still had this challenge or this temptation of emotional eating. If you had heard me speak then, I started to say this um, a moment ago, but if you'd heard me speak back then, I would have told you and shared with you that if I struggle with anything, it is emotional eating still. That is my temptation. And maybe that's the cross I bear to keep me humble, to um, keep that level of empathy and understanding. And I realize now that that was a story that I was telling myself. So therefore it became my truth. And that story was a seed planted by the enemy himself. It is an outright lie that that is just the cross that you have to bear, that you're always gonna be tempted, that you're always gonna be overweight, that this is always going to be your battle. It does not need to be your story. You get to write a new story with the right, you know, tools, resources, it's not easy, right? But you do get to do that. And for me, what was the pivotal moment is that over the years leading up to this moment, six or seven years ago, where I was standing at the top of my stairs, I'm going to share with you in a second, leading up to that moment, God had, like, he has done such an amazing work in me in so many different ways, sister, I just have to tell you. And one of the ways that he has done that, though, is he had helped me develop process and steps and systems and new ways of catching thoughts and catching beliefs and not to mention like of course in addition to his work in and through me certifications me going to coaches mentors I've worked with so many amazing people over the last decade um, for every aspect whether it be business or nutrition or fitness and certifications and like head knowledge as well as heart knowledge as God worked in and through me fair enough and so as a result of that, my personal episodes did get a lot further, fewer in between. And yet about six years ago, I was going through a, a personal challenge at the time that my reaction to it on this particular day was I found myself sitting at the top of my stairs and just crying and feeling the emotion of whatever it was at the time. I honestly don't even remember what the emotion was. Anger, resentment, um, hurt feelings, sadness, offense is what I imagine it was at the time. 
And I had this strong temptation to want to binge again. And my prayer was again to God, right? And mind you, also, I want to just iterate, I had also over the years done tons of research on eating disorders and uh, even saw therapy at one point in time and it did in a lot of prayer and, and all those things. So all those things, um, except therapy actually did not help for this specific issue, but I am a fan of fa- therapy in general. Uh, but those things had planted seeds and had helped build the process, had built the tools and the techniques that I myself had implemented and had begun to implement with my clients. And yet when I stood there and I was struggled once again and tempted once again, even though the prior episode might have been six months ago or how long, ever long it had been, I just cried out, Lord, help meet me where I'm at. Help me overcome this. Help me not give in to this temptation to binge. Like, show me what I need to see. Let me hear what I need to hear. Let me see what I need to see in order to win and take victory over this. And as I prayed that prayer, an immediate voice that I heard in that moment was clearly this battle that you have with food is standing between you and the greatest potential of the unique calling and purpose I have placed on your life. And sister, in that moment, as I heard and as I listened, I will tell you that my why became powerful enough for me to decide to go to war. When I clearly heard that it was standing between me and the greatest extent of the calling that God has on my life. Because I don't know about you, sis, but I'm going to almost guarantee we are like-minded in that you want to, when you finally, whenever it's your day to see God and to be in front of Jesus, you want to hear that you did everything you could to live in such a way that cultivates the unique gift he gave you that only you can experience and give out and that you've done that in a way that serves others and honors him. And so anything that stands between me and that calling, me and that mission, me and that purpose has got to go, right? And so from that point on, I went to war and I wish I could tell you that I never felt tempted again. I wish I could tell you that I never had the temptation again. I can't, but I can tell you that I never gave in again. I can tell you that from that moment on is where he really started to show me the significance of the, I want to say like the thought work, the inner work that he had been doing in and through me all of those years and the significance of the spiritual component, the spiritual warfare that is happening when in fact it is uh, emotional eating is one of our battles and one of our challenges. And fast forward now because I was still very, you know, six years ago, I was still very wrapped up in my brick and mortar fitness business in a good way. I say that, but it just, uh, brick and mortar fitness business, um, got it actually kind of a little bit of a segue, got it put on my heart to start reaching out to women online a few years back now. And I finally took obedience in that maybe two years ago, I think if it might not even be a full two years yet. And it really just was because I was so the 
brick and mortar fitness business, I had poured everything into it for what would have been what 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 led up to 10 years, right? And it was pretty all consuming time, effort, energy, all that good stuff as much not complaining. Um, super, super grateful. But that's just the truth of that was the reality that I had created is that I was so consumed by that. So over the last couple of years, he's brought that moment and combination with everything he's taught me over the last 20 years and this new understanding. It's kind of like a new peeling back layers of an onion or layers of a vision in my case, which I think God does that for all of us. And he's definitely done that for me. He shows you what you need to see for the next step and he wants you to be taking action in, in, in faith. And so early 2020, when we were closed for COVID, he gave me this analogy of a butterfly and I had got a clear message about um, what if the, what is behind you and trust me, it was an amazing, amazing experience is actually only the beginning. And what if this season is the cocoon and is what exactly needed to happen so that you could continue to develop into who you need to be and that the best is ahead of you that is in front of you exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you could ever ask think or imagine and that would be the butterfly now even in that moment I was like okay he plants that seed and then he nurtured that seed and by nurturing that seed over time that was originally in March and I still believed at that time that I was committed to we had already got we had quickly pivoted to do online because we were closed in California very early on However, it was my intention to keep both the brick and mortar and online. And then about August or September of that year, he made it clear that I was to let go of what was good to reach forward to my next iteration. I want to say what was great. I absolutely loved everything about my fitness business and our clients and my team, and I still miss them. However, even though that was great, it was clear to me that God was calling me to work specifically with Christian women. And I know that the message that he had started to share with me then, August, September of 2020, and has become even more crystallized, and I'm sure he'll continue to reveal it to me, is that the Christian women are going to be far greater, under far greater attack than ever before. And we've already seen that our values are you know, our ability to speak freely of just what we believe to be true, you know, right and wrong based on his truths. Our ability to even worship was compromised in the seasons over the last couple of years. And for that reason, this is why he's called me into this iteration. And if you're wondering, what does all this have to do with emotional eating? I hope that you can give me a little grace with this, this story, because I, I will show you how it all ties together. God began to make it very real to me that the biggest deception of the enemy is the challenge that women have in their bodies. And when you think about it, it's your body is the physical vessel that God gave you, the gift that God gave you to hold his spirit in you, to hold and live out, to experience and give your unique and greater purpose. And I love the phrase Priscilla Schreier uses, if I were the enemy. I've not heard her talk about health and fitness before specifically. So don't, you know, tie the rest of these words back to her because I would hate to, <laughs> she, like she's just amazing and I, I wouldn't want to put words into her mouth by any means. But I'm going to use that expression, if I were the enemy, to describe this analogy and really bring this home for you so that you understand the significance of this 
so that you start to understand and prioritize your own well-being. Because if I were the enemy, I would convince you that self-care is selfish. And even though I know as the enemy that you cannot possibly experience or give your best if you are not your best. If I were the enemy, I would normalize being overweight because I know it puts a far greater risk for your daily discomfort and distraction. It puts you at far greater risk for illness and disease, including the current virus that we've been experiencing over the last couple of years. Not only does it increase your risk for like contracting it, it also dramatically increases your risk for death from the virus. The CDC statistics are astonishing and they are not telling you those details. They are not addressing the fact that 80% of that could have been preventable of those that did lose their life, could have been preventable had they physically been healthy before they had contracted it. Had they physically not been overweight, that is the specific statistic that the majority the literal majority of people that lost their life due to the virus were overweight. Not only that, short like putting the virus aside, when you are up to the extent in which you are carrying more weight than what is appropriate for your body, puts you at greater risk for heart attack, stroke, type 2 diabetes, certain types of cancers. And I'm not telling you this to condemn you. I'm telling you this because no one else will. I shouldn't say no one else will, but it's not talked about enough, right? And which leads me to the next one. If I were the enemy, I would whisper the lie that you can be overweight and healthy. It's not true. The two are not synonymous. You cannot scientific science. That's not the right word. Bear with me. That the science is clear. You are at far greater risk to the extent in which you are overweight, period. End of story. Just because your blood work does not show anything now does not mean that you are not at greater risk for developing anything that I've listed, and I'm sure there's more. If I were the enemy, I would convince you that it's not important to be truly healthy because your quote-unquote blood work looks good so far. If I were the enemy, I would normalize being overweight in society. Whereas in the United States, as an example, over 70%, 72, 73%, according to the last CDC um, statistic, is overweight. But we, so it's common in our society in the United States, it's common for people to be overweight. But you aren't called to be common. You are called to be set apart. We aren't just called to believe differently and to behave differently We are called to honor God through our mind and our body. There's no judgment, no condemnation. It's the understanding, and now what? What actions can I be in? If I were the enemy, I would make it uncomfortable to discuss it politically or or to discuss it and or politically incorrect to have a loving conversation about the truths and the dangers that come with emotional eating and being overweight. Because I know that if we talked truth and people prioritized it with all the greatness you've already accomplished, how much more do you have in you 
when you are fully vibrant, fully radiating, radiating radical confidence, when you are a reflection of the, the, the energy, the focus, the, the drive that God has in you because you are unhindered by your physical body, how much more will you be able to do? How much more will you be able to experience? How much more will you be able to give out? So of course, if I were the enemy, I would try and convince you that being overweight is okay. That going to food instead of going to God isn't that big of a deal. And here's the truth said from a heart of love and understanding. The challenges of being overweight and uncomfortable in your own skin is one of the most deceptive schemes of the enemy. And unfortunately, we don't hear our churches talking about it enough because it is such a hard topic to talk about in person. When you think about it, when we are in church, they can talk about a whole list of struggles or battles that we as human beings it, like struggle with, experience. Because so much of the struggles produce an invisible result. However, if your struggle is turning to food instead of going to God, if your struggle is because you feel physically uncomfortable, if your struggle is to be able to uh, have self-control or discipline when it comes to what you're eating or volumes of food, you could be under eating. Like there's so many reasons why you might not be healthy. But when your struggle produces a physical, visible result by being overweight, that's a really hard conversation to have in church. I would imagine it would feel a lot like the woman that was ripped out of a bed and thrown into the marketplace. We assume that she was naked, probably ripped unexpectedly, pushed, pulled, thrown in front of an entire marketplace of people being judged by the Pharisees. Jesus was there to give her to address the sin, also give compassion and correct the accusers that were, you know, um, not showing Jesus like character, not being kind, not being loving, not, you know, all those things. And I imagine her feeling this woman, she would have felt shame. She would have felt conviction. She would probably would have felt fear and overwhelm. And so nobody in a church setting wants to intentionally make somebody feel like that. So it's a hard conversation for churches to have. Not to mention pastors are not, um, you know, just like us as believers, we can be, we are, we all are. We're all guilty of falling short. We're all guilty of sinning. And in a population where over 70% of us are overweight, it makes sense that a lot of pastors are overweight. So then it's even harder for them to have the conversation because one, they have blind spots. They've minimized the importance or they wouldn't be there. And or they would be at, they'd be talking about it from the position of, I understand the struggle. This is a me too struggle. And this is what I'm doing to take action on it because this is what God's word says. So it's a very complicated topic, but I will tell you, God has given me this mission to talk on this topic from a place of love, empathy, and compassion. I'm confident this is why my battle was the way it was is so that I will have this understanding of the significance and how to navigate the, to the other side and why it is so critically important for you to get to the other side. 
And even over the last couple of weeks, God, as he continues to reveal the depth of this, he had has brought me to Genesis. And in Genesis, I, <laughs> so many aha moments that I had never thought of in this way up until it's just like, you know, how many times have you read the Bible and you read a verse and you see it in a new way based on that season? And I will tell you, this is the interpretation that he has given me recently or the realization he has given me recently is that Adam and Eve the, had everything they had the first example, the purest example of having exceedingly abundantly above all they could ever ask or think. And I didn't even know this, but did you know that God had already placed gold in the garden before there was any need of any kind of exchange? He placed gold in the garden. I want to take that as a reminder that God's original intent for us was exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever think or imagine in both health and wealth. But that's a topic for another day. But let's look and understand what the, use that initial temptation to be able to recognize and therefore call out and therefore start to go to war with the enemy over this territory of your health and well-being. So in the original uh, I want to say scenario, story, uh, Satan took Eve's attention away from all of her abundance. Imagine, picture the garden. I'm not sure where Adam was, but picture the garden. Picture Eve standing there. She's got abundance as far as she can turn around, see she has abundance beyond what she can even think and imagine. Cause you know, you look 50 feet into a field, you can't see all the details 50 feet out. So it was exceedingly abundantly all she could ever think or imagine for as far as she could see. And yet there was one tree that God said, do not touch. And the enemy got her to fo- take her focus away from the abundance and onto the one thing that she lacked, the one sliver in comparison to everything else, a sliver of a sliver of a sliver in comparison to everything else that God said, you can't have that. And therefore she felt like she lacked it. So the enemy diverted her attention. She would have had to walk past the abundance to get to the tree because the tree, it says that the tree was in the middle of the garden. Then he, the enemy took God's spoken word and distorted it started to get her to question it. Is it really that important that you don't eat from this? These aren't exact words, right? But I'm imagining and kind of amplifying the the scenario. Are those really the words that God spoke to you? Do you really think he said you can't eat from this or you'll die? Surely he didn't mean that you'll die. What he probably actually meant is that you will then be as knowledgeable as he and he doesn't want that for you. The enemy is the father of lies and deceit. See what's happening? And sister, understand this. And maybe this is just me and I'm okay with that. I might have a bias towards this. But notice that the first object of temptation was food. The first object of temptation was food. It was an apple that he, the enemy got her to eat. 
not only was it the first temptation in the garden, it was also the first temptation the enemy used to tempt Jesus. When Jesus was in the desert and had been without food or water for 40 days, the enemy came to him and said, Surely, if you are God, then turn those rocks to bread. Feed yourself, essentially. Notice that. Right? So, of course, there is more going on than just the practical steps of learning what foods are going to nourish your body, what foods are going to bring health to your body. And I want to reiterate with you that God's word says we are to honor him in body and spirit. His word tells us to practice self-control. He tells us that we have self-control. Second Timothy 1 through 7. We're going to bring this home and get to the tactics in about three minutes. For God has, a, has uh, for God gave us a spirit of fear, uh, excuse me, but God, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control, 2 Timothy 1, 7. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness. I said them out of order. So, uh, against such things, there is no law. Self-control, right? Galatians. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. The second part of Galatians 6.1. Remember, the father, the father of temptation is the enemy. He will use this deception to try and convince you that what is good is bad, what is bad is good, and or minimize this challenge with emotional eating, this challenge with being physically uncomfortable in your own body yet knowing how much that impacts your day-to-day. He will minimize what it's costing you to stay where you are. He will try and convince you to avoid, to numb out, to not pay attention to the actual emotion, but to use the go to the foods for comfort or the use the story of I'm really busy right now doing all these great things. So I'll take care of my physical well-being later on. I was just writing about that this morning again, that how many times has it been a Monday? How many times has it been a next month? And sister, that is the pattern and the story that so many women stay looped in. And before you know it, it's three years later, it's five years later, and you're either at the same place or even worse when it comes to your own physical well-being. So you get to decide. There's no more Monday. There's no more next month. There is today, and today is the day that I'm taking action to support a decision. Because having a healthy body is a critical component to being able to fully experience God's presence and be good stewards of his gifts and the unique purpose he has given you. And when you think, you may be thinking, I'm going to address this thought real quick. You might be thinking, how does it impact my relationship with God? Because sis, think, go back to that analogy that we used earlier of when you feel sick, excuse me, when you feel off on a certain day or you feel sick and you're kind of down and out, how do you interact with your family? How do you interact with your loved ones? How do you interact with your team? 
you are probably like you, like we talked about before, you are a way maker. You get things done, you do your best. And yet you're going to be more, you're not a hundred percent yourself. And that same way of being when you are physically uncomfortable in your own body, when you have battled with weight for years or decades, that battle is part of that block that is in the, the line of that blocks the line of communication between you and God. You don't recognize it. And I know you have a strong relationship with them. I'm suggesting that you take it to your journal to understand that you have an even greater capacity for relationship with him when you remove, I want to say the gunk in the pipes. It's another analogy that I, t- I use sometimes that I don't have time to go today, go into it in too much day- today. But if it was a water pipe between you and God in heaven, and that water pipe is where all communication flows, as it gets clogged by various things, there is going to be a disruption. The, the flow of water still gets to you, but there's going to be a disruption in the flow. And maybe even by the time it gets to you, that gunk kind of flickers off or what have you. And so the water that comes to you is not as clean as it was when it went in from God. Make sense? And when you're physically uncomfortable and you've battled in your body, and you're dealing with this on a daily basis, it is part of the gunk that clogs that water pipe of communication between you and God. Right? My heart is for you. And I want you to be able to get on the other side of this. I want you to truly be able to step into the strongest, most empowered version of you. Like I said, and I'll say it again and again, because I know this. I want you to know this. I know that you are strong and powerful. I know, and God knows, it's not even about me. Like all the things that God has planned for you and that you've already experienced, it's, it's phenomenal. It's amazing. And also, there is even more when you're on the other side of this. I cannot express to you the difference just in the last couple of years of the the level of depth and uh, and the level of depth and understanding and discernment and being able to feel and know his presence and wisdom and all the things that I get to experience with him today I truly believe tie back to now having a consistent pattern over the last few years of turning to him versus anything else going to him and nothing else, truly not allowing anything else coming between us. And of course, the ability too that I've continued to work on and what I teach through the Kingdom Fit Method is not just the food, not just turning to food um, versus God, but the way we think, our beliefs, all of that. It creates clutter. It can create clutter and noise that again, acts as a clog in the water pipe between us and God, right? And this is why I've used my experiences to create the kingdom fit method, just so that women like me and possibly like you, you don't need to try and figure out how to overcome this on your own and you can claim victory because I know the sooner you get victory over this, 
this, the faster you get to experience even greater fullness and abundance of what God has called you to experience and also give, right? So let me walk you into the tactics and we'll finish this up. The tactics when you're being tempted for emotional eating, there's five, ta- well, there's one kind of uh, pre-frame and then four tactics, So when you're tempted to go to food and you do recognize it before you actually are at the bottom of an ice cream bowl, because that was me too at some points in time, even, and I just want to talk on that actually, even if you recognize it at the bottom of an ice cream bowl, the fact that you start to recognize it at the bottom of the exercise or bottom of the ice cream bowl, sometimes you do Sometimes the path to learning and overcoming includes you noticing things after the fact. Not sometimes. I want to say almost always. It will include a process of you first noticing, even if it's after the fact. But even if you choose to be a student in that moment and reverse engineer what led up to that moment, you are building an awareness for your mind so that you start to become aware before you even give in to the ice cream or the bag of chips or the, you know, bag of cookies, whatever it is for you. Fair enough. And when you get to the point where you do recognize it before you get to first use this preframe, I call it Holtz. And I, the Holtz came from something else. I, it was one of the larger companies that I had read it from. I can't remember. It was years ago. And I added the S. So the H is, am I hungry? If you are truly hungry, sis, then decide to eat something that is going to help nourish your body. But if you are truly hungry, then eat. Just like I teach in my programs, you should never be truly hungry. If you're hungry, eat. Like starvation is not a way of life and it's not a way to diet either. Also, if you aren't hungry, ask yourself, am I angry, lonely, tired, or sad, or stressed? Am I angry, lonely, tired, stressed, or sad? And God created all emotions. They're not bad. You get to feel them and you get to learn. That's for another topic and we won't go into it today, but you get to learn how to hold space for them and work through them. In the meantime, you don't want to go to food as a resource to not have to deal with them. So the next four things are how do you divert your attention just enough to get away from the sense of urgency so that you can make a more empowered choice. And the first of the four, after you've done the the pre-frame, the next four is uh, four suggestions are one, you can get outside for five minutes. If you can go outside, it will do wonders. There's, I originally said five minutes, but I am being reminded that I heard a study recently saying that even 10 minutes of walking, whether it's indoors or outdoors, will change your mood, has the ability to shift your mood. Just getting up and walking for 10 minutes, whether it be indoors or outdoors, The five minutes of outside ties back to the power of connecting with nature, the power of vitamin D if it happens to be sunny. So that alone can be enough of a distraction for you to get away from that sense of urgency and make a more empowered choice. The next one is practice your breathing because it will calm your nervous system. It sounds woohoo. I thought it was at first as two, but I've done the research. The science supports it. It's part of the way God designed our bodies. We are, have two nervous systems. One is either a fight or flight response, which creates that sense of exactly that. It's self-explanatory, fight or flight. And we also have a parasympathetic nervous system that tells our body to be at rest, be at ease, and to calm down. And when you 
center your focus onto your breathing and you just bring your attention to that breathing and slow it down intentionally, you're helping, you're supporting your body getting back into that calming version of your nervous system. So it can be as there's many techniques up there out there. You can look it up on YouTube or Google or what have you, but truly it must be that all of them work. I can't say that there's, I don't even know, at least a dozen. I haven't tried all dozen of them because I don't need to. It's really as simple as you can breathe in for four, hold for four and breathe out for four. You can be, be, feel free to go look up different ones and see what's going to work best for you. But the beauty of this too is that it does not need to take a lot of time. Even with the you know, box technique or four, 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 or maybe it's um, you know, in for three, hold for four, out for six, whatever it is, it usually only takes two to maybe five repetitions of you doing that and you will feel a physical shift in your body. So it's very helpful to getting you back to a position of feeling empowered choice. The next one, third, on the tactic, right, after that first one, which is the pre-frame, is reaching out to a friend and asking how they're doing. Or even in business, reach out to your clients. Check in on them. Note that this is not the time, uh, clearly not the time if it's a client, but even if it's a really good girlfriend, I would encourage you not to talk about whatever is bothering you. Because when we talk about the negative, when we talk about whatever is bothering you, it actually just brings more focus to what is bothering you. And it festers. It's like the, you know, the waving of a flame and then it just ignites the flame, right? And so it's better, you would be better served to genuinely think about your friend, genuinely reach out and be interested in them, genuinely genuinely reach out to clients and check in with them, see how they are doing. Because when you do that, you're shifting the focus off of you and onto someone else. Of course, always do it sincerely, always do it with honest intent. And also, it helps divert your attention from yourself. Because when you think about it, angry, lonely, tired, sad, stressed, those are all inward reflecting feelings. Those are all, what about me? It, it, how is, like, it, it's just all very inward feelings. I don't have time to go into the detail today. I don't want to take the time to go into the detail. This is already longer than I expected, but we're closing up right now. Um, but focusing out by reaching out on someone else and truly being interested in them, again, gives you enough of a diversion to make an empowered decision. And then last but not least, sounds very simple, which who doesn't love simple and effective? And that is to drink water. When you drink water, there is a um, soothing effect of the actual drinking mechanisms. However, when you fill yourself up with water, you'll be less tempted to go you know, down a gallon of ice cream or a bag of cookies or what have you because water in and of itself, just the volume of it uh, will, again, give you enough of a pause to make a more empowered decision. And you might be thinking, so first we talked about the pre-frame. There's five together, but the first is actually a pre-frame, which is the halts. Then it's getting outside for five minutes and or kind of the update for that is even just walking, whether it's inside or out for 10 minutes can be helpful. Um, the next one is practicing your breathing, focusing on your bringing your attention to your breathing and calming it down intentionally. Anywhere from two to five repetitions of some sort of pattern, it works well. And then the next is reaching out to a friend or your clients and truly be focused on them. And then the last but not least is drinking water. 
Um, and I know you probably think that that sounds great in theory, but that's really hard to put in practice. And I 100% I get that these tactics are there for when you're at a place where you're able to recognize and think ahead. They are a tactic that can be applied within a much longer process of being able to overcome emotional eating. Makes sense. And some days they will work and other days they won't. And that's okay. That's part of the process in overcoming. Some people get instantaneous, you know, healing in their struggles. Uh, Many of us do not, but we can trust that there is a reason. I know mine has for sure, without a doubt, 100% been used um, to help build me to be who I am today and serve women the way I serve them today, right? So the, these tips and tricks really do only get you so far and expecting them to be the solution for all that you've experienced over the last few years or decades wouldn't be fair to yourself. This is why my Kingdom Fit Academy is a six-month experience, And that is why in that experience, I walk people through my kingdom fit method. And it's specifically for Christian women because we, yes, I'm going to help you build nutrition protocols that fit your lifestyle. We talked a little bit about why diets fail um, in another episode, but one of the reasons is because you're trying to just grin and bear, follow a piece of paper or a plan that somebody gave you instead of learning how to adapt a plan, create a plan that fits with your lifestyle that you can actually see yourself living with for the next 10, 20 years without giving up your favorite foods, without spending hours at a gym, without feeling deprived. And that way it becomes a lifestyle. I mean, if the process is lifestyle friendly, then of course your results then will be supported to be sustainable. But also, I should say, and also, We work on your ability to believe again, your ability to hope, right? Habakkuk 223, being able to create that vision and that plan of importance and expectancy for what God has for you over your health and well-being. And then we also build from there the beliefs in identifying. We talked about in another episode the analogy of a Victorian home. You've got years and decades of, you know, old wiring that needs to be identified, what gets to stay, what needs to be removed, how do we build a biblical-based mindset when it comes to our health and well-being so that, again, you're building this foundation that makes your results sustainable. And then, of course, another step within that, another pillar within the program is then the daily habits and the boundaries and how do you effectively build process and habits that support what you are wanting to live out. Fair enough. That is a really quick, rough summary (laughs) of Kingdom Fit Academy. But if that sounds like this is something that you want to be a part of, then I'm going to invite you to apply. Um, Click the link in the show notes to book a call with me. And on that call, we truly are going to just strategize and decide whether or not it is the right fit for you. I want to learn more about your specific goals, your specific challenges. And by the end of the call, we will have decided whether or not we're a good fit to work together and if Kingdom Fit Academy is the right next step for you. 
And if not, for some reason, then we get to decide what solution will be the next best fit for you. Because truly, I believe in planting seeds and I believe in aligning you with what is going to be best for you. Um, That is my ultimate calling and my ultimate purpose. So with that, I hope that this episode was helpful for you. Great um, to be able to connect and I so appreciate the time and space that you give me to to speak into your life and so I want to honor you and thank you for that if this has been helpful please like leave a review share it with a girlfriend you think will be helped by it and I look forward to connecting with you soon sister bye for now